0: Hi, my name is Lloyd Sarbats, and this podcast is brought to you by Liberia, a bookshop by Second Home. In this episode, I welcome Turkish writer and political thinker Ece Temelkaran, whose recent publications, Together and How to Lose a Country, focused on fascism, rising populism and morals in the 21st century. In this discussion, Ece and I talk about witnessing political changes, her desire to tell the global story of the rise in populism, and the choices we can make together to overcome these challenges. I hope you enjoy it. This is an absolute honour for me, um, Ajay. So for our podcast, um, do you mind just introducing yourself to people that are not familiar with your work? Because you've got a distinguished career of political commentary and as a novelist, so do you mind just doing a brief overview? Oh,
1: thank you. Well, uh, I'm from Turkey. Uh, Since 2016, I'm in uh, Zagreb uh, for obvious reasons, uh, political reasons. Um, I'm a writer. Uh, I come from journalism. Um, And now I think, uh, you know, people are calling me a political thinker. Uh, I'm working uh, on topics like fascism, rising right-wing populism, uh morals in 21st century and so on i am also a novelist uh, i've had few novels in english they're also published in several languages so y- y-
0: that's it some of our customers will be familiar with uh, novels like women who blow or not but then uh, work like how to lose a country um, that stemmed from the failed political coup in turkey um do you mind um just talking more about uh that political side of writing because um yeah yeah, it's caused you to seek exile in croatia for a
1: start well to start with we don't call it an exile okay because that word is uh, one too heavy second it leaves you eternally homeless and more most importantly it gives you this title of nobility and it kind of separates you from the refugees and they are not heard enough whereas i am constantly pushed to talk about my pain so to speak okay. so uh, for several reasons i don't like the word exile but yeah uh in 2012 due to these two mm, articles that i've written in a newspaper uh i lost my job and then it was there was a big massive um character assassination, mm. and then there was Gizzi, and then there was, in 2016, the coup d'etat attempt. Yeah. So everything became uh, quite unbearable for me, so I had to leave the country. But then after leaving the country, I didn't want to talk about my country only because that is what you are forced to do when you're coming from so-called periphery countries. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to tell... Uh, the story of the West to the Westerners, because I was already aware that uh, what we had been through in Turkey was happening in the Western democracies. So I wanted to write a global book, uh, laying out seven global patterns of uh, new fascism, rising right-wing populism. That's how How to Lose a Country came together.
0: Yeah, because you can see um, where you've taken those lessons and you've applied them to Trumpism, but even uh, in this country, Boris Johnson's uh, politics and his manoeuvrings, and he looks like the most incompetent person. But the people underneath him, or in his cabinet, they're they're making little manoeuvres. Uh, you see it with Pretty Patel and uh, the Rwandan um, program of uh, relocating oh. um, refugees. And you you know you can start to see how the lessons you're writing about, even though a few years later. Are actually being manifested and it's scary um so when when you wrote those lessons you were offering um, everyone that wanted to read those a way of seeing what was happening and what the end game could potentially look like but you um in together it looks like you've offered uh, a collective like a, a call to action um mm-hmm. i mean it's called together so it is um it's, it's a a book about choices that we can make um shall we get into that because that seems like a sure bit more but upbeat. before
1: getting into that i have to get this out of my chest mm-hmm. if i was a white middle-aged established man westerner yeah i would have made a amazing career out of i told you so because <laughs> it wasn't only how to lose a country before that uh, and that was published in 2019 before that in 2016 i was already telling in london in, in public speeches mm-hmm. that boris johnson is going to be your prime minister brexit will ruin you and it will happen and yeah. so on and so forth you know there were several things so yeah I turned myself into this Cassandra coming from the you know shores of the Middle- Mediterranean <laughs> so yeah. um I wanted to kind of like sp- speed up the things for yeah. western society western democracies because this is going to happen you know and but then it it took some time for them to get convinced yeah the problem is uh, after a while it is not easy to stop that uh, course of you know history, and I think Britain is very close to that point where it will become irreversible okay. because it 's not only a political collapse that we are going through right wing populism or neo fascism is also a moral collapse, and that moral collapse is damaging almost eradicating all the moral consensuses of a society i mean like i wouldn't ever imagined yeah. that a prime minister um, is not leaving his position because of a shame, shameful situation, because th- I know how shame is a strong sense in this country, how it's a very you know, strong institution, actually. Yeah, you would think it's integral. Exactly. Yeah. On the other hand, this is the new uh, world order, so to speak, in politics. And shamelessness, as I told in How to Lose a Country in Detail, shamelessness is one of the pillars of this new political order. But then you know when all is lost when all moral consensuses are shaky and like broken yeah then you need another book that's why i wrote together okay uh okay tragically funny but how to lose a country became more and more timely after it was published unfortunately yeah, I wrote. Yeah. I write these books when they are, you know, read. I cannot be happy. <laughs> right. yeah. Anyway, so because it's it's about the miseries of people. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> but then I think I hope this country will never need together. Okay, but probably they will, uh, because that is uh, a new vocabulary for new political action. How do we deal, uh, tackle with uh, new fascism? How do we deal with this? Uh, lack of consensus. Is how do we do deal with the non-challenge of international organizations and the proud shamelessness of authoritarian leaders? Yeah, that, this book is it for that—a manifesto against the heartless world.
0: Yeah, because you've written about how um, our traditional tactics of trying to uh, provide opposition um, to prevent losing our country has failed, like uh, empathy. Um, and you talk about uh, shamelessness um, in these populist leaders means that accountability is not something that they care for. Uh, We would have had a a resignation by now. The
1: problem is shamelessness, uh, because of these leaders, becomes a political identity, Mm -hmm. and then it becomes a cultural identity, and uh, it benefits the comforts of cultural identity. This has been, probably would have been, like... Uh, unimaginable in 2016 in this country. But now it is imaginable and then it doesn't stop there. It trickles down from uh, the power, from the political power to the people. And when it becomes a cultural identity that is where things get really almost irreversible.
0: Yeah, almost ingrained. Mm -hmm, So how do you um, envisage us trying to prevent that point of no return. Um, in Together, you're talking about uh, strength over power, um, these kind of choices, choosing friendship, choosing to be together. Um, can you elaborate on how you think we should collectively arang- uh, organize ourselves, um, if you know it, we do get to that point of no return?
1: The problem is, uh, not in this country only, but all over the world, Actually, enough number of people know what's happening. Mm. Enough number of people know about the facts about climate change, the facts about the political crisis. Enough know people know that capitalism is not working as much as it did in 1980s. Yeah. But then those enough number of people do not get into the political action mm. that all these uh, cluster of crises call for so why okay we hate this reality but facts do not convince people anymore yeah and democracies do not create emotional ties with citizens anymore they don't they they don't have they don't create this desire and passion that the authoritarian regimes create so all these problems together makes me ask the question why don't people act and today the activists all around the world Mm are crying almost, saying the same thing. Why don't people act? My diagnosis in this is the lack of political will. So why lack of political will? I think on a moral and philosophical level, we lost our faith in ourselves, in each other, Mm -hmm. and in humankind in general. Because we are in that moment in history, again, where we ask the question, is human evil in in essence yeah the first time it was the concentration camps now refugees being pushed back to the sea to their death yeah and the most unbearable thing is we are constantly asked to develop a numbness to survive Mm. and that's inhumane that's unhumane or whatever you call it yeah this is against the basic morals of humankind so uh What do we do now to renew the faith in humankind? That is what this book is about.
0: Yeah, it's almost like a call for a new social contract. Would that be uh, a a correct interpretation? Uh,
1: It is a call for a secular faith in humankind as, uh, as a means of political action. I mean, like there is this obvious reference to Marx, because once Marx said, you know, religion is the heart for a heartless world. So can mm. we create, not a religion, Yeah. absolutely not. <laughs> mm. uh, not, not, not a certain kind of political mysticism or anything, but can we create a secular uh, faith so that we can uh, again come together yeah. and uh, act for the interests of the many, not the few?
0: Yeah, because in, in one of the opening chapters, you talk about faith um, and you try to distance it from... The, uh, the religious uh, to say that it it's about um, hope but with a purpose uh, faith is hope with a purpose rather than this abstract
1: yeah well I have a problem with this hope word and the uh, you know book yeah. opens with that you yeah. know this uh, my story is about hope uh, because you know a few reasons one of them is hope and this asking for hope constant asking for, uh, asking for hope Turns the masses into you know these uh, m- religious congregations or mm-hmm. herd of sheep and so on, uh, but more importantly, I think hope has become a uh, you know code word for those people who want us to believe that system will uh, mend itself capitalism will uh, repair itself, so we don 't have to meddle with capitalism yeah. And especially this country, oh, my God, this is still a taboo. And even Americans are talking about socialism as an option, you know, American left, which has been impossible before 2016. McCarthy era. Yeah, yeah, since then. But now this country is still, I don't know following from very behind. Mm. By the way, because of Brexit, I think this country has become very parochial in terms of political debates and everything. Mm. Uh, I've been in a festival, and there was a German friend of mine, and we couldn't believe how, um, uh, you know, debates about democratic crises are very, very practical. Yeah. They still think that, oh, if we can fix something here and there in the uh, political machine, every build, everything will be fine. Unfortunately, the crisis is much bigger than that. It's not about the political machine. Yeah. It's about the political content. And uh, I hope, you know, it It won't be too late before they see this.
0: No, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a bit more pessimistic. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry to say, I, I feel like we, as a country, we need to hit rock bottom, Um oh. I feel like uh, Britain's uh, been dining out on this age of empire and we've been arrogant for too long. And, and we saw that with Cameron calling a snap referendum. You mm-hmm. know, no checks or balances. going to put my faith in the people. It's like, you got that so wrong. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I know people that thought it was a referendum about Cameron. You know, I was like, that's a general election. This is political suicide. You know, for us, it's economic um, disaster. And we're now only just starting to realise this. So I feel like we have to hit rock bottom before as a country, as a collective, we start thinking about, you know, the bigger ideas, the how do we overhaul things, like um even I mean, starting from the ground up, I'll
1: first past the post. I mean, okay, I have two news for you. Yeah. One is bad, one is good. Which one do you want to hear first? I'll take the bad. Bad one. Yeah, it means it can only get better. <laughs> yeah. Well, unlike physical space, multiple mm. space has no bottom and there is no rule that the object that hits the button will bounce back so okay. no hitting button that's not an option okay. <laughs> okay. politics is is another uh, quantum <laughs> space let's say yeah. but good news is history is not interested in your pessimism or optimism i mean like this pessimism or optimism is pretty much like the word hope yeah. um, history does what it does, despite our, you know, feeling of it, or how do we perceive it, and so Mm. on. Uh, And these things will not matter, and I think it will be pretty obvious very soon, that what we need to do is not to feel things, but to act upon those feelings. And um, one more thing about this pessimism, optimism, hope, and so on, Uh, these emotions that arise from political crises, I think, are quite uh, commodified, I'd say, uh, because there are many books, there's almost an intellectual industry about this democracy, democracy, crisis of democracy. Yeah. Uh, and they want us to feel pessimist or optimist. They want us to choose between hope or hopelessness. Mm. But then just like i'm like just as you said before about cameron and the plebiscite the referendum uh, referendum is the most anti-democratic political tool that any country can use and and that democracy is used is the most desperate tool uh because democracy is a deliberative progress process and so on so this duality this dichotomy as well like hopeless uh, hopeful optimist pessimist this also creates a loop that we definitely very quickly have to get out from. Cool. And
0: how do you propose that we get out of that loop? Um, I mean, I'm still digesting uh, what you've written about, so I might need to go back. and Because you do write about mm-hmm. um, how, how we, uh, we can choose to create a future. Um, and how do we do that?
1: First of all, I mean, we have to review our uh, relation to reality, I think, or relation with reality. Because since a while, especially since after 1980s, when neoliberalism was really unleashed both in economics and in cultural level, um, it just made us believe that reality is a dirty uh, thing that only the poor and the unfortunate have to suffer. And we are all kind of moving towards, trying to move towards a life uh, that is um, devoid of reality, protected from reality as much as possible. The entire social climbing is about this, for instance. But then reality is where magic happens, and reality is not pessimist, optimist, hopeful, hopeless. Reality is just a big jumbo mumbo of things Mm. where the joy of living is embedded so i think the activists any anybody who is interested in politics yeah. anybody who is concerned to what's happening to this country on a political philosophical or moral level mm. they have to talk to people to start you know this is the beginning beginners level thing yeah. because we don't talk to people we are now so afraid of polarization and everything uh, and th- th- there, there's this other myth, you know, uh, we won't have any confrontation. There will be always consensus. No. I'm mean, like, democracy is not like this uh, cartoon wrap, whatever. It's yeah, not something yeah. like that. There is... It needs fighting a bit of friction. I mean, like, yeah. w- w- we, we got so used to this idea that there will there'll be no ideologies. Everybody can believe in what they want. Post-truth is not that, a, that a big of a deal. You know, everybody can choose their own reality, blah, blah, blah. We are so used to living in this, unless you break the rules of free market economy, mm. you're allowed to do whatever you want kind of freedom. So we started thinking that reality is, is a sand pool, that we are all going to play together. No, it is not. It's a, there, is, there must be a political fight. I, d- mm. I don't mean violent you know, fight, but there must be a political debate ongoing and very heated. Uh, and in order to do that, we have to reconsider and review our relation to reality. I think. Okay. And reality th- in its, you know, widest sense. Yeah, in its entirety, I mean, rather than like pinpoint. Accuracy. No, no, yeah. no. I mean it in a as a philosophical term, reality. Okay. I mean the entirety of it.
0: Wow. Okay. <laughs> it, it feels like a large concept. Um, so I. I guess. Um, I guess is it. Th- I think the question I want to ask is because um, you open up the book saying you hate being asked. Is there hope?
1: Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> which
0: is um, is a question that I didn't want to ask you. But what kind of question do you wish you do get asked but haven't <laughs> yet?
1: Well, you know what. Probably I write the books because those questions that I am. Um, anticipating or expecting mm. are not asked because in 2016 i wrote another book called turkey the insane and the melancholy mm. and i was telling the audiences in london uh, that this is going to happen to you as well what happened happened in turkey will yeah. coming to you soon and they i thought they would ask so what w- should we do instead they asked me oh how can we help you because you know they love this idea of Intellectual woman running away from the barbarians, throwing herself into the arms of uh, civilized people. <laughs> <I think>. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that victim, well, it's a selling point for many, so I wouldn't mm. blame the ones who are buying them. But anyway, um, that question wasn't asked. Uh, w- you know, Why do you say that or what can we do to stop it? Uh, so that's why I wrote How to Lose a Country. And after I have to lose a country, I thought, it's quite a convincing book. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> you see,
1: I mean, like, it, it is nothing. It's 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 coming from facts. It's coming from, you know. It's very g- grounded. Gra- thank you very yeah, much. So uh, you think it's convincing as well, right? Yeah, because yeah, it's, it's
0: easy to read like a David Runciman and, and look yeah. at, like, theory. Uh, Thomas Piketty, you know. Yeah. But sometimes you want to read something by someone who's, Got down and dirty, with, you know. Has <laughs> been on, mean, yeah. The, yeah, Has been on the ground. Has has interviewed people, um, live in that moment, and has lived that moment themselves, and therefore has thought about it, rather than writing from an ivory tower. Um, so, yeah.
1: I think when yeah, we dis- but after yeah. this book, I was, you know, in in my thinking, they were supposed to ask, so what do we do together? Yeah, because I thought, okay, these are this is a global phenomenon. New fascism, mm-hmm. and it's haunting every democracy, even though there is this abstract confidence and trust in institutions. Uh, many people will understand soon that this is a global phenomenon, thus, we need a global solidarity. But nobody asked the question, so I wrote together. <laughs> yeah. So now uh, when there is the wrong question enough times, maybe another book will follow. I'm, I look forward to <laughs> it in a strange way. But um, but then I want to say something, hmm. especially about this, uh, not about this country, country necessarily, but about being on the ground and seeing things. Well, I, I already told that these things, you know, fascism doesn't come to town with boots and, you know. Yeah, it's an yeah. insidious creep, I think. It's an insidious creep. Yeah. And it, it, it most of the time, um, the victims of these regimes do not recognize uh, those bloody people who bring the malaise to the country. All right? Yeah. But one tip, and I'm not naming any names, but one tip is if in a country suddenly a leftist figure is hated immensely, passionately, and, you know, nonstop, just be careful. There's something happening there, and your hatred towards this man or woman Mm. might not be your personal choice. You might be part of a bigger uh shame mm. um, if that's not a too strong word but you must be you might be um, following the lead of those people you don't even know so this is how they actually discredit the political figures mm. before creating their own political and cultural hegemony
0: yeah so that, yeah they will like in recent years they've downplayed a viable option exactly Put forward their agenda exactly, uh, popular, exactly. Yeah. and and what do you um what do you make of uh, say in other countries like America mm-hmm. where they they're going through um, looking at January the sixth now in the Capitol hearings, but um, the Republicans are kind of bringing changes that maybe the Americans are they're sleepwalking, they're not seeing this. Like, uh, I'm thinking changes to state legislature that um allows on a state level like a select few to determine an election result that might not be reflective for the people how do we as a collective get together to prevent that because I don't understand how you could do that like petitions and I don't know protesting in the street like noisy protests doesn't feel like it would prevent those measures being taken by the powers so how do we how do we intervene?
1: Well, there's a chapter in Together about anger and attention.
0: So, the um, one game.
1: I think this is one of the um, important bits in the book because mm. many of the things that happen to a country that, you know, leads that uh, country towards fascism is happening in boring places. Mm. It's not happening through a Christmas party at, you know, number 10. Yeah. It's happening in, in, in like, really, places you don't even know. These small you know, slight changes in legislation, let's say, Mm. and so on. So anger is another thing that has been commodified, especially through social media. Now, I don't know if it's still a political tool unless it is on the streets. Um, So I think we have to pay attention, and that attention should bring about the action. Democracy is not a very, um, how shall I put it, exciting thing democracy is a very boring thing yeah but you start to understand that that boredom is an amazing thing when you lose it Mm. Uh, so in order to get bored we have to really hold on to this um, we have to keep paying attention and uh, we have to uh, risk being less cool so to speak yeah if you know what i mean
0: yeah, g- stop going for the glamour, but yeah. just um, yeah, like you say, pay attention, yeah. look for that like longer
1: term kind of uh, action. Yeah, ca- you mentioned Capitol Hill. Yeah. How does how did Capitol Hill happen? Probably, okay. There were people; they were gathered, blah, blah, yeah. blah, but then how did it became? Uh, how did it become possible? Because there were certain people in certain places that have been appointed by Trump. They just open the, the, the door, so to speak, for this to happen.
0: Yeah, and it might have been just allowing Trump to tweet, you know, certain kind of ideas of his that just fermented. Mm-hmm. It, it could have just been a, a longer thing that we just thought nothing of, we might have forgotten. 's
1: exactly. another thing I mean, like uh, today uh, nowadays uh, Rwanda thing mm. is happening. they are pushing back uh, you know, they are sending the asylum seekers to Rwanda four thousand how many kilometers i don 't even remember, mm. and they're probably they're going to stay there for months and so on uh, refugee ish- issue is a very complex and very difficult question i know that Mm. but then this is like literally against the law international law and all the international agreements that uh, uk is part of yeah uh but then of course nobody wants to read that agreement nobody wants to do this and that you know that's the boring part of the situation and uh but in order to really do something politically change something yes that boring part of the job Is the crucial part of the job.
0: Thank you for listening. I wish to thank Eche for sharing her time, energy, and insights. Visit our website liberia.io for news of future events and book recommendations.